0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is Palm Sunday, meaning we are one week from Easter. And as you worship with us, regardless of where you're at, regardless of how you're watching, I do just want to encourage you, if you feel comfortable, meaning physically you feel comfortable being around people, come back next Sunday. We are going to have four Easter services, two at each campus. So in Norman, 830, 1030. In Oklahoma City, 930, 1130. I'll be live at all of those experiences. I would love to see you our online service will be at 9:30 a.m. so if you're not ready to come back we still have a great service plan just for you but i want to encourage you to jump back in because as we walk through the gospel of luke and we're doing so again this week we see the life of jesus well this whole life it just culminates in the cross and the resurrection, and as we come together next week, we come together with millions throughout the world to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That is the epicenter of our faith. That is why we are here today, because Jesus is alive, and with that comes great hope, and we want to celebrate that next week. For today, for today, we are in Luke chapter 4, verses 38-38 through 44. I want to walk through these passages. I want to see that Jesus lived a life that we are to model. Now, for many people, we think of Jesus as this pinnacle of faith. We think of Jesus as this person that we are supposed to look to and model our lives after. And That's absolutely true. But then we start to figure out, how do I do that? I mean, he's Jesus and I'm not. So how do I do this? It becomes so hard. It almost becomes overly complicated. So a lot of times we just quit. But I want us to see that there are things that Jesus does. There are things that Jesus is about. There are things that we can learn from his life that we need to apply to ours. And what he will show us today, what he will show us today, a very simple truth, about his life, how he chose to live in the midst of busyness, in the midst of chaos, in the midst, honestly, of great success, how he chose to live, there are truths for our lives today. And if we are going to be his disciples, if Summit Church is going to be a church that makes disciples for the glory of God, we need to look at the life of Jesus and try to mirror our lives after his. That's what he did with his 12 disciples. He said, hey, I want you to come do what I do. I want you to teach what I teach. And I want you to be me in my absence. And we're still so early in his ministry that the disciples are seeing, they're learning, they're not getting it by any stretch of the imagination yet. They are not fully there, but they're seeing a model of how to live life. And that's a model that I want us to see today. First, we need to know this. There are always, always going to be people in need around us. No matter where you live, No matter how isolated you might make yourself, there are always going to be people who are in need around you. And so, if you were with us last week, Jesus has left church in Capernaum. He's had a wonderful day there. He was able to teach. And when he taught, the people were amazed at his teaching. They said, your words are powerful. They're life transforming. And then in the midst of his teaching, a man stands up possessed by a demon and Jesus tells the demon to flee, get on out of town. That happens. Jesus has authority. His name is power. And we saw that last week. So After church, now their church would have been on Saturday, not Sunday, okay? The Jewish synagogue you worshiped on Saturday. He's going home for his Saturday afternoon nap. We've all had the Sunday afternoon nap. That's what he's supposed to do. But he doesn't get the opportunity to take it because Peter, one of the disciples that he loves, that he's investing in, goes, Well, I just live down the road. Why Why don't we all go to my house for lunch? So they load up, they head to Peter's house. Well, it turns out Peter's mother-in-law is very, very ill. And that's the scene that they walk into on this Saturday afternoon. Jesus has just had an amazing, amazing morning of ministry, but they walk into the house. Verse 38, Luke chapter 4, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Simon is Peter, okay? Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. Is there anything you can do? In the first century, physicians did not have the knowledge that they have today, 2,000 years later. So they categorized fevers in one of two ways. You could either have a great fever or a small fever okay and the way the niv translates a high fever that's a great fever that is a life threatening fever meaning peter's mother in law has a virus that is literally killing her i'm not saying she had malaria but thinks something like that she is racked with fever she is not doing well, and when Jesus and the disciples and whoever else followed them from the synagogue in Capernaum, when they got to Peter's house, they saw this woman who was literally on her deathbed, and they said, Jesus, can you help? And he says, yes, let's see what I can do. Verse 39, so he bent over her, and he rebuked the fever. That word rebuke, there's the same word that we see in verse 35 of Luke chapter four, where Jesus rebuked the demon. Jesus spoke and his words had authority and power. He rebuked the fever. So he can rebuke the demons. He can rebuke evil, but he can also rebuke sickness and disease with the same words, the same power. He rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once. I want you to see this. Immediately, she got up. And began to wait on them. The word wait means to serve tables. It's the same word where we get our term deacon, okay? She immediately got up and started serving them food. Now, I don't know if you've ever been stricken with a high fever. Even once that fever breaks, whether it's from natural causes or miraculous causes, you do not feel well enough to jump up and start serving a bunch of people lunch, But this is how completely Jesus healed her. She jumped up and she began to serve them lunch. It's amazing, amazing to see the power that Jesus has in this moment. If you read the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, Jesus, when he saw Peter's mother-in-law, he, he bent down and he grabbed her hand. Mark says, actually, he pulled her up. And when he rebuked the fever, she was instantly or immediately healed. There's power in his words. And as we talked about last week, when you start to see God move, all of a sudden people start to hear about this. And they want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of something great. They want to be a part of God moving in mighty, mighty ways. So word gets out on this Sabbath day that Jesus is at Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law was very, very, very sick, and now she's fine. She's serving lunch, and the word starts to kind of spread throughout Capernaum. And once the word had gotten out, people who are in the community, they decide to bring All those who are sick and weary. All those who are in need of healing. And we see what happens next. And I want you to understand this. I ask you multiple times as we're reading through the life of Jesus to place yourself in the story. But this one, more than ever, I want you to picture this. A middle class home. A mother-in-law who's just been healed. A group of disciples who are still trying to figure out who Jesus is. The Messiah who has just preached an amazing message, cast out a demon, now healed Peter's mother-in-law. And at sunset, everyone in the town who knew anyone who was sick said, you better get them here now. Why sunset? Because that was the end of the Sabbath. That was the first time, according to the law of Moses, they were allowed to travel. And so they all come. And they come expectantly because they'd heard what Jesus was doing. And, and I want you to read with me in Luke chapter 4 verses 40 and 41. It says this, at sunset, because that was the first moment they legally, according to the law, they legally could come. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them just as he had pulled Peter's mother-in-law up by her hand. He lays his hands on every sick person and they are healed. Verse, 40, verse 41, moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. It was not his time. Now, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, okay, Sycamore Street outside of Peter's house is now lined curb to curb with sick people. And as I, Jesus, am walking down this street, as the sun is setting and it's becoming night, I am literally going up to each and every person. I am touching them and whatever sickness they have is being healed. If they are possessed by a demonic spirit, that demon is coming out and making a huge ruckus. You are the son of God! You're the Messiah, and every time I have to go shh shh. Sh. They're not ready to hear this. You see, if you look at the language in verse 41, the demons had a foreknowledge. They knew who Jesus was long before he ever appeared on this earth. You see, because demons are just fallen angels. They knew who Jesus was. They knew his victorious fate. They shouted at the top of their lungs, you are the son of God in hopes, in hopes of being shown mercy. But Jesus can't be revealed in this way. It's not his time. And it's not his time for one very important reason. The people are not ready to receive him. See, he's walking down the street healing all those who have been brought to him for ministry, for healing. But yet it's still not time. The people are expecting the Messiah that Jesus simply will not be for them. They're not ready, yet his mercy is still seen, fresh and new in each and every person as he simply touches them and they are healed. Can you see this? Can you picture the image of a street filled with stretchers? The broken, the sick, the hurting, being pulled by those who love them and who have hope that their circumstance can be changed being pulled as soon as the sun goes down because that's the first moment they can go find this power in this Messiah, being pulled and lined up. And then Jesus meticulously, one after another, working his way through all those who were sick and hurting those who were possessed and oppressed, giving freedom and life. Can you picture this? The tears of joy, the shouting, Happiness, the hugs, the reunion, the family member who you thought was lost, but now they're whole. This goes on well into the night. The sun has set, the night has come. We have no idea how late into the night Jesus had to work his way down the street, but I imagine it took. Quite a while to get to everyone who came for their healing. And after a home run ministry day, amazing sermon, demon cast out of the middle of the synagogue. Hundreds of people healed in the streets. It's the middle of the morning. What does Jesus do? He goes to bed fulfilled, content to take on the next day. That's what I would have done. I've earned some sleep. But no, that's not what he does. Verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. If you read the Gospel of Mark, he says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Okay, I think what Jesus did is he finished healing the last person in the street. He looked at his disciples and said, We need to catch some sleep. Go to bed. And then he snuck off. He snuck off to a solitary place. The same word that's used to describe the desert that Jesus was tempted in. He went where there were no people. He went there for this purpose. So that when people would start to look for him, the rest of verse 42. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. They said, hey, um, the sun's about to come up. We couldn't find you. We thought you went to bed, but you didn't. You came out to this solitary place, and you, and you prayed. And, and we love that, but there's, there's, there's a new line. There's a whole new batch of people. And we need you to stay here for a while, because this has become the hot spot. This is the epicenter. You are doing something great here, and people are ecstatic. Come on back! And Mark says that it was Peter who led this mob out to find him in the solitary place. And what does Jesus say? No, 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 no. no. No, I'm not going to go back because there's so many more people who need to hear this message. There's so many more people out there who I am for. I'm not just for the town of Capernaum. I'm for all people. And I need them to hear this message. So I, I can't just stay here. I came out here for one purpose, and that was to recharge you see, because this day of ministry, it took it out of me. And while anyone there would have been like, Jesus, you should go to bed, man. You need a meal. You need, you need to rehydrate. There's so many things that anyone in that arena would have said, hey, just you do whatever you need to do, man, because you're the man. He goes, the one thing I need to do is go be with the Father. The one thing I need to do is retreat from this, and I need to go recharge. And as I look at this, the application is so important for us. In the busiest seasons of our life, in the seasons where we might be the most fruitful, it is imperative that we continue to recharge, that we continue to press in to the Father. If anyone had heard Jesus say, Man, today took it out of me, they'd have been like, I bet. Why don't you go rest? But he says, No, 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 no. I need to go recharge. I need to go be with the Father. See, we think the opposite is true. To be productive, you need sleep, you need all these different things. But what Jesus knew that we need to learn today is that in order to live a life like this, a life that impacts the kingdom of God radically, you need the Father. You need connection with Him. And all of the pillars of faith throughout the centuries, they've all understood this. And I'm not saying I'm even close to getting it, but all of those who have made radical impacts in the kingdom of God, they understand the importance of prayer. They understand the importance of renewing and recharging with the Father. John Wesley, you maybe have heard that name, kind of founder of the Methodist Church, he, he says this, nothing happens except to the response of, of believing prayer if you want to see another day of great ministry, you've got to begin that day with prayer and asking the Father to move. Martin Luther, founder of Protestantism, we're here today because of him. He said, "I have so much busyness that I can't get on without three hours a day in prayer." Do you, are are, you, are do you hear that? Are you seeing those words? I have so much to do for the kingdom of God. I have so many things that people are asking of me that I cannot possibly get them done unless I spend three hours a day in prayer. Why? Why would he say something so foolish? Because he knew. He knew where the power came from, he knew the importance of being connected to the Father, something that Jesus modeled very early in his ministry. Great day, could have been a great month. But he goes, no, 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 no. I need to retreat. I need to recharge. I need to recenter. My purpose and my calling is not just for Capernaum. It is for something bigger. I need to be reminded of that. I need to go connect with the Father. And as he does so, the mob comes out to pull him back into Capernaum. And he says, no, I will not let people govern My God-given purpose. Let's finish our passage. Luke chapter 4, 43 and 44. Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news. I have a message of power. I have a message of hope. I have a message of love, and I must proclaim that good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, not just Capernaum. Even though they love me here, even though it would have been an easy task, I'm not staying here because that is why I was sent. That is the reason for which the Father has sent me to proclaim the good news. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea all throughout the region because he knew that that was his purpose. It wasn't about fame. It wasn't about fanfare. It wasn't even about fruitful ministry in one city. It was about taking the good news, the gospel message of hope, and spreading it to the entire region so that then upon his death, his disciples could take it to the ends of the earth. As I look at the life of Jesus, I am absolutely amazed. And I'm also slightly overwhelmed Because as someone who wants to be for the Father, as someone who wants to make sure I fulfill my purpose, I need to see how Jesus did this. And I have to ask myself, as you do as well, am I working for my own glory, for my own fame? Am I doing things so that people will think I'm awesome? Or Am I following the will of the Father? Am I pressing into him and acting in obedience and accordance to his will? Jesus knew the importance of that. And he knew that after a great day of ministry that anyone would have said was a five out of five. Well done. He needed to go recenter and reset. And I wonder, just as we wrap up today, I wonder for how many of us listening do we need to reset Do we need to recenter? It's been a crazy year. But do you need to press into the Father to hear, once again, what he's calling you to, to ask him for the strength to get through today? You see, I see two things. I see two things in this passage. One, there was a great need that Jesus met. There was a woman that Peter loved that needed Jesus' help, needed his attention, and Jesus gave her his attention and she was healed. I just wonder, are you sitting here today in need of God's move, of his power in your life, whether for physical healing, emotional, spiritual healing, restoration? Are you in need of his move? Are you hurting? Are you sick? And if so, then I want you to hear from me today that God is for you and that his son, Jesus, has power and authority over your sickness. He has power and authority over what is tormenting you. And you simply need to invite him to come and be the Lord of your life in that area. That's what Peter's mother-in-law did, and she was instantly and completely healed. Do you believe that he is the one who can take your current pain, your frustration, your fear, and turn it into hope? I pray that you can. Do you need today to reevaluate your dependence upon prayer? Jesus is Jesus. And he knew that sleep would have been good, but prayer is better. Do you need to reevaluate your dependence upon prayer? No one would have ever second guessed Jesus use of time if he had chosen to go to sleep but he knew better he knew that time with the father was priceless and that his life was far more important than simply reaching a small group of people in Capernaum. he was grounded he was centered he knew the truth and he knew this because he was connected to the father Are you giving your life away for the purposes of God? Has his extravagant love for you caused you to move on his behalf, on behalf of his kingdom? Or are you building your own kingdom? Are you living for your own purposes? I would just challenge you today, if you feel like there's a hopelessness, if you feel like there's an emptiness and a void in your life, it's probably because you're trying to build your own kingdom. God made you wonderfully and perfectly for his purposes, not your own. Press into those. Ask him, Lord, what do you want with me? What do you have for me? And he will speak to you regarding that. Are you spending each day connected to the Father as your source of power, the source of power that you need to fulfill his purpose and see victory in your life? Is that how you're spending each day? Are you spending it completely dependent upon your own power. I know for many of us, we fall into that trap of trusting ourselves and our own ability and our own power. And and I just wanna tell you, as someone who's done that for a huge portion of their life, it's empty, it's fruitless, it's depressing. But I want to also encourage you that there's victory and there's power when we tap into the Father as our source, as our source of power, as our source of hope, as our source of purpose. I wanna encourage you today, wherever you are, if you're still listening, that what Jesus models for us is a life of humility, humility and need for the Father. And if he has that need, if Jesus, humbled himself enough to sneak away in the middle of the night to be with the Father, then shouldn't you and shouldn't I do the same? Press into him today, wherever you're at. Listen. As he gives you marching orders, it will bring hope and victory into your life. You need him. He loves you. He's for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the model of life that he is for each and every one of us. May we, just like him, may we seek you out in the darkest of our nights. May we seek you out in our greatest times of need. May we seek you out in our victories. May, Lord, we seek you as our source of power and life. We need you, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Prepare us in this next week to celebrate you, the resurrection of your son, and the life that we have in him. We thank you. That's in Jesus' name we pray.